0: years ago, I was going to a conference with some friends of mine. This was early on in the stage of my faith, where I was just learning more and more about who Jesus is and what I believed. And I went with some friends of mine to this conference. We were in Montreal at the time, and we went to this conference in Toronto. Uh, It was a youth pastor who brought a few of us and decided, hey, let's go and check it out. And I was really excited. I was excited because I was Fairly new at what I believed. I was still figuring things out, and I was still trying to get, get a real good grasp on who Jesus is and why this all mattered. And so we go to this conference and it's talking about God and, and the impact God makes in your life and what all what this is all about. And then there's a speaker that comes up. And the speaker was really engaging. Like think about the most exciting person you've ever met in your life who can draw you in with a story and who just gets excited when they're talking and you know they move their hands a lot like i move my hands a lot but i'm not that exciting you know someone really exciting and he gets on the stage and he starts talking and it's just really engaging and he starts to do this thing where there's a piano player on the stage and he's playing like the piano kind of in the ambiance in the background more of a i guess pads and then a piano more keyboardish you know and there's this beautiful ambiance kind of happening as he's talking and he's really drawing you in. And he's talking about how the Bible should make a difference in your life if you follow Jesus. And me being a newer believer, I'm listening to him. I'm going, okay, I want to understand this. I want to understand more about the Bible. I want to know what it's all about. I want to know why this makes a difference. And I want to know what to do with it. I've just gotten one of my first Bibles and You know, I read it, but I don't really know what's going on. So this was was great. So he keeps going. He's getting more exciting. And he kind of gets to this low point in this message. And then he starts to get all hyped up again. And the music is going. And he says this one thing that's stuck with me forever. He gets talking. He says, you know what the Bible is? He says, do you know what the Bible is? Do you know what the Bible is? It is basic instructions before leaving Earth. And everyone's all excited. You hear people saying, Amen. And my friends are like, Yeah, that's so good. And I'm sitting there, fairly new in in what I believe. And I start thinking about that. I say, Really? Is that what the Bible is? Because if that's what the Bible is, why would I want to read it? Why? what good would it really be if it's just an instruction manual for my time here on earth? That sounds incredibly boring. I mean, even when I get furniture from Ikea and the only instructions I have are pictures, I don't follow instructions. This isn't very enticing to me. So I started thinking about that statement, basic instructions before leaving earth. I started thinking, is that what the Bible is? Is that really what the Bible is all about? And at this stage in my life, where I'm just figuring things out, I concluded, I don't think it is. And now some almost 20 years later, I am sure that is not what the Bible is. Some of you may have heard that statement before. It's basic instructions before leaving earth. It sounds really great. You know, every letter goes with the letters in the word Bible. It's fantastic. But that's not what the Bible is. And if we decide to make the Bible that, we are really going to miss out on what the Bible is actually all about, and how it does give guidance for our daily lives. But if we reduce it to something basic, to just instructions, then we're really not reading the Bible. So what is the Bible? What do you do with it? Some of you have experienced this for a long time, where you've gone to church, you've gone to Sunday school, you've heard pastors preach, you've heard stories, you've read the Bible, maybe you're in a Bible reading plan, like some of us are together in the Bible app, and you're familiar with it. So what is the Bible? Is it a book? Like any other book? What do you do with it? Some of us have been so exposed to the Bible that we actually have lost sight about what it's all about and how we are meant to read it. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be starting this series called The Bible. And what we are going to do is start today by exploring, well, what is the Bible? And then we're going to explore, well, how do you read the Bible? And what do you do once you read the Bible? Because I believe that the Bible is life-giving. One of the ways that the Bible gets spoken of is that is the Word of God. That is the living, meaning it's not dead words, even though they were written long ago, but they are meaningful words for today. In Psalm 119, verse 105, it says that God's word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. The psalmist wrote this, the longest psalm in the Bible. And at this point in what we have is verse 105, he writes this to say that, The words God gives us, and in his context, he meant the law, the instruction in the Old Testament, was a lamp to our feet, meaning when you're walking in the dark, you'll be able to see where you are, and a light to the path, meaning you could see what is ahead of you as well. That if you were to listen to the words of the instruction God had, the word of God, the law, you would have... A lamp to your feet, you would see where you are and be honest about it, and you would know where to go. That is part of what the Bible is. It is a document that is meant to tell us where we are and where to go. Anyone going, okay, well, Rob, isn't that like basic instructions before leaving Earth? Well, no, actually, it's it's not. In fact, there is nothing basic about the Bible at all. Now, I do believe that if you read the Bible and you have no, you know, extra training, like you don't know certain languages or, you know, you just pick up a Bible and you start reading, I do believe that God can speak to us through what we read. If you read something like John 3.16 and you read that God so loved the world that he gave his only son that none of us should perish, we should have eternal life, you'll understand what that means. It's not that complicated. It's pretty straightforward. So we can look and read the Bible without any training, and God will use it, and God is gracious, and he will reach us with those words at any time. But the Bible isn't basic. Some of you who have read through the Old Testament especially, you've come to stories and you've gone, what do I do with this story? There are stories of great violence. There are stories that don't make sense to us. And we have to go to them and go, okay, well, if this is basic instructions before leaving Earth, what is this teaching about what I do now? Because the truth is that the Bible, Scripture, the Word of God, is not about an instruction manual. It's not about being something that, you know, you're supposed to read and say, this is what I will follow exactly in every way, though there are instructions in it. It's actually one big story about God and us. The Bible is the story, the unfolding story of God and his people. Truthfully, we actually don't find ourselves in the Bible. But we see a picture of the people of God, with God, over time. If you were with us a few weeks ago, we had a series called The Big Picture, and we were exploring it. That the big picture of the Bible, the, the grand story, the one united story that follows through is that God has a promise with us, a covenant, and he keeps it. And that relationship is what binds the whole story together. And it starts in the beginning, and it ends much later. We won't say exactly where it is. But that's not a basic story. It's actually an incredibly complicated story. And what makes it more complicated when we ask the question, well, what is the Bible? Is that the Bible is not just one book. In fact, if you are from a Protestant background, like myself, uh, you know, so we're in a Baptist church, you would know that your Bible is actually a collection of 66 books. If you have a Catholic or Orthodox background, and you have maybe a different Bible, you would have a few other books in between there as well. But those 66 books... In what I have as my Bible are inspired words of God that are telling this united story all across. Them. Now, on top of there being 66 books, not every book is written in the same style. The first section of our Bibles, which we would call the Old Testament for Jewish individuals, they will call it their Tanakh. That is their Bible. It's a collection of three different groupings of types of writing. The first grouping would be the law. So that's your first five books of the Bible. So Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, Numbers, not in that exact order. Those are the key texts of the Old Testament. Everything actually hinges on those texts because that's the beginning of the story of God and his nation of people. And the next section in the Hebrew Bible or Old Testament would be called the prophets. And that would be a collection of books that some are historical, like there are a written out story, a narrative, like 1 and 2 Samuel, 1 and 2 Kings, 1 and 2 Chronicles. And then there was actual prophets of people who were either writing or speaking words of God to people, such as Amos or Micah, Isaiah, Jeremiah. And then there was a third section in the Old Testament, the Tanakh. And that would be the wisdom of, writings. And those would be things like the book of Job, the book of Proverbs, Psalms. These are the collection of writings that that tell the story of God in a different way. And within those three sections, there's also a multitude of styles. So some are narratives, like a story. So you would read it like a novel. It would go from point A to point B to point C, and you would hear the story or read the story. Some are Proverbs, like the book of Proverbs, where it's just like one or two lines, and that's the context of it. It's just a wise saying. Some is poetry, like the book of Psalms, which is like a song or a poem, or even a prayer. And some are prophetic, meaning a specific style of writing and prophecy. There's all these different styles in there. And if you were to read something like the book of Psalms, which is poems and music, like you would read something like the book of Chronicles, you would not read it the same way. They're not the same. So if you try to read a narrative, a story, like you would read a poem, or if you try to read a poem, like you would read a proverb or a story, you'd be missing the point of what is actually there. So in the Old Testament, there's a multitude of styles, and there's a multitude of sections. But again, they are telling one big story. So sometimes it is people's lives acting out. Things are happening, and it's the story of God interacting with them. Or sometimes their lack of interaction with God. And sometimes it's people reflecting on their relationship with God, like in the Psalms. And sometimes it's just instruction on how to live, like in the laws or in... Proverbs, of wise statements of how to get the most out of it. So in the Old Testament, there's this multitude of styles, this multitude of sections, and that Old Testament has existed for a long time. Now, there are many authors in the Old Testament, and it spans thousands of years, but by the time of Jesus, Jesus would have had this as his scripture. He would have known it, he would have been taught it, he would teach it. So it has existed for a long time. And so the early followers of Jesus, they would have this as their scripture. The other grouping of things that they had as their scripture were called the Gospels. So in the New Testament, we have a section, four books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that are the Gospels. And those are accounts... Sometimes first-hand accounts, like an eyewitness account. Sometimes they are second-hand accounts, like someone asked someone to tell them about it, of what the life of Jesus was like and what was going on. They're written from four different perspectives, and in some cases, four different audiences. Such as Luke, who is known as a physician. He was a historian, Wanted to document what was going on. He was writing primarily to a Greek audience, so he would use certain language for Greek people, whereas Matthew was writing more to a Jewish audience, so he would use language that they would be more comfortable with. After you get past the Gospels, you get into this book called the Book of Acts, which is actually a continuation of the Book of Luke, which tells the story of the early church. And it was intended to be a way for the future generations of church to understand how they did what they did. Not that it was an instruction manual, but just that it was a glimpse into their life and what were some of the things they made priorities. After you get through Acts, you get into a section that are called epistles or letters. And these were writings that were to specific churches from some of the leaders in the church, like Peter or Paul or James or Jude, And they would write these letters to address a situation they were going through. And sometimes we wouldn't understand fully their situation, but they would. And so they would learn from it. And then we get to the last book in the Bible called the Book of Revelation, which is written in a style called an apocalypse, which is a style that was popular for about 400 years. So about 200 years BC to 200 years AD. In that section of time, a lot of people were writing a style of writing called apocalypse. And we're going to talk about that one specifically to try and give us a better understanding about what we do with this very confusing book in the Bible. But that's what the Bible is. It is this collection of styles of different authors. In fact, I think there's about 40 different authors in the Bible as a whole, written in three different languages, Hebrew in the Old Testament, Aramaic in some of the New Testament, a little bit in the Old Testament too, I think, and then mostly Greek in the New Testament. And it's, then it's translated into what we have now, I think is about 704 different languages for people to read. So the Bible that we read, if you read a Bible like mine, like I said, has 66 books, and it contains different styles, and it's a translation, meaning it's not the original language. And so there are different styles of translating, and some try to make it like word for word translation, sometimes Some try to do it so it's more like the idea of the text comes out, so it's more readable. There are a variety of different ways to translate. And when we read them, it is not exactly what they had at their time when it was written to them. But it is useful. So the Bible is this collection of books, of writings, in different styles, with different purposes, from different authors, in different languages, at different times, for one purpose, to introduce us to who God is and instruct us on how to live as followers. So that's what the Bible is. So then we should ask the question, Well, how did we get the Bible? As I mentioned, by Jesus' day, they had their Old Testament figured out. But there were also some other books that they had in Jesus' time. That they would have read, that we may not have in our Bibles. If you're from a Catholic tradition, these will be called the Deuterocanonical books. If you're from an Orthodox tradition, you might just have them as the Second Temple of Judaism books, or just this little section between the New Testament and the Old Testament. And these books, books like Maccabees, or I think it's Second Esther and Daniel and the Lion and the Dragon. These these books. Or the Apocalypse of Moses. Uh, these books are used by some individuals, but there was a decision during the Reformation. So there was a period of time where the church split, split a few times. But when the Catholic split, and the Catholic and the Protestant church split, the leaders in the Protestant Revolution decided that they would only use books in the Old Testament that they had the Hebrew writings for. And so they had the Latin and the Greek writings for those Deuterocanonical books or the Second Temple Judaism books, but they didn't have the Hebrew ones, so they decided not to include them in their Bible. Whereas some traditions, like the Catholic tradition, kept them there. But those books were read and understood by followers of God, like Jesus. And in fact, if you read your New Testament, there are some strange Verses that you might come across that actually come from some of those books that we don't have in our Bibles. Because those people who wrote our Bible read it. And the second set of books, the New Testament, that we have and that we hold to, those were collected over time in the first few hundred years of the movement of followers of Jesus. All of them were written within, I think, about 60 years of Jesus' death. If we place the latest one as the book of Revelation, about 95, 96 A.D. or C.E., depending on what your uh, academic background is. And these documents were written over time for purposes, so that people would know who Jesus is and then know how to be the church that follows Jesus. That's what I get in the letters. But all these documents were well known and they were passed around in the Christian community. If a letter was written to the church in Philippi, it would also go to neighboring churches as well. Even though it was written to address issues in Philippi, like Philippians, that letter would find its way to Colossae, it would find its way into Laodicea, it would find its way in all different places at times, so everybody was learning at the same time on how to be the church. And while the early church had used all these documents They were not formally put together until a few hundred years later where they decided, okay, we need to formally decide what we have as the Bible. And so it took some time, but eventually they compiled everything and they decided through a very difficult process of prayer, of historical reflection, to be selective to only include books that had eyewitness evidence and were written within a certain amount of time after the death of Jesus. So some of you might be familiar of some other books that people say are part of the Bible, like the Gospel of Mary or the Gospel of Thomas. But a lot of those books were written hundreds of years after Jesus. Whereas all the books that we have in our New Testament were written fairly quickly, or even at the time of the events unfold. So there's a big difference between a writing that happened quickly or soon after an event and one that happens hundreds of years later. And so our Bible, this collection of different books in different languages and different styles with different authors, telling this one united story, is a gift to us to understand who is the author of that story, which is God. And so that's a bit about what the Bible is, and how we got the Bible. And as I said, over the next few weeks, we're going to look very specifically at how we read certain parts of the Bible, so that we can get the most out of it. Many of us, as I said, have been going to Sunday school, or we've read the Bible ourselves, or we've been taught by preachers like myself, and sometimes we haven't actually heard the real story of the Bible. People have made it to say something or used it to prove a point that it actually doesn't make or the purpose of it isn't there. And so my goal with this series is to help you see what the Bible is and how it really should be read and applied in your life. Many of us have these ideas that all the Bible is like a moral story for us to apply in some way. And truthfully, it's not. Because one of the things that we need to know about the Bible is that you are not in it. I'm not in it. None of us alive today are in it. We are not characters in the Bible. So when we read stories like David and Goliath, some preachers or Sunday school lessons might say something like, Hey, you're like David and you've got Goliaths in your life and you need to slay those Goliaths. That's not the point of David and Goliath. And in fact, you're not there. And the hero of the story actually isn't David, but it's God. Or you might hear things like, if you just open the Bible, it'll speak to you. And that might be true. You might be able to be going through something and flip the Bible open and just point the finger and find something there that God has for you. Like where I just pointed my finger and I'm pausing because it's actually not a very good one, is in Hosea chapter 2, verse 10. I will let you read that one for yourself. But if I were to say, hey, this, you know, God, I need something from you, and I open my Bible, I end up there, I might try to make it say something it doesn't say. And I might really not understand what God's actually saying in this very challenging book called Hosea. So the Bible isn't about me. That's what I'm trying to tell you. It never has been and never will be, but the Bible is for your use. It's not written to you, but it's written for your use. For your use to understand who God is and what it means to follow Jesus. And so when we begin exploring what the Bible is and how to read it, We're going to be doing what Jesus invites us to do in Luke chapter 11, verse 28, where he says, Blessed are those that hear the word of God and follow it. We're not meant to just hear and think it's about us. We're meant to know it's about God and how we follow it. The main subject of the Bible is not us, it's God. And so my prayer over the next few weeks is as we begin exploring how to read the Bible together, we'll be able to open our minds and our hearts to what God has for us in his words. As he inspired people to write them long ago for specific situations that sometimes are like the situations we're in today and sometimes are not, they still serve to point us to the God who is with us and who loves us. And I pray that it will help you to allow the Bible to speak into your life on a regular basis. So I want to invite you to start reading your Bible. Maybe it's for the first time, or maybe it's for the first time in a long time, or maybe it's something you do all the time. Wherever you are in your journey of figuring out who you are and who God is and what your relationship is, I want to encourage you to start reading the Bible. And I want to encourage you to start reading the Gospel of Mark. The Gospel of Mark is the shortest story about Jesus. It moves quickly, and it gives you some key highlights on who he is, who he interacted with, and what he said. So I want to challenge you this week to read that in its fullness. Whether you sit down for about 45 minutes one day, or you just take 5 to 10 minutes once a day to just read a few chapters... And be open to what it might be saying. And as you read it, understand that it is a story that's unfolding. And as you understand that it's a story, I pray that you allow God to speak through that story. To be a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you have spoken to us in scripture, that long, long ago, you inspired many men and maybe even women to write down these words that tell us the story of you and the story of your people and can help be a lamp to our feet to tell us where we are and a light to our path to show us where to go. I pray for us, those of us who maybe had a long history of reading the Bible, that we feel like we've actually read it all and we know it all, and nothing is there that we haven't learned before. I pray that we open our hearts and our minds to you, Holy Spirit, because as you are the one who inspired, you are also the one who helps us understand. Holy Spirit, guide us as we read our Bibles this week, as we try to see what you have to say to us, to be a lamp to our feet and a light to our path, which should be leading us to you, Jesus, to understand the great sacrifice that was made for us, the forgiveness of our sins through your death and resurrection on the cross, and the opportunity for life in all of its fullness. As we know where we are, and we know who we are, and we follow you by reading your word.